0: All your mom, for all you moms, happy Mother's Day. We're glad that you're sharing your day with us and hope you have a wonderful day as, as we've been saying. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Uh, big news that uh, a lot of you are, I'm sure, aware of, if not all of you, that, uh, that a Supreme Court decision was, was leaked out or a potential Supreme Court decision leaked out that, that it could be that Roe v. Wade will be overturned. Uh, sometime maybe this summer or in June. And, uh, and that's huge stuff. That actually is something that uh, many of us have been praying for for many, many years. And I would ask you to keep praying for that because that's not a done deal yet. And also for the six Supreme Court justices uh, that have been doxxed. Their addresses have been given out. And uh, so that's put them in kind of a dangerous situation. And so pray for them. Uh, by name, if you would, uh, we would appreciate that. And uh, just a lot going on. A lot of, a lot of times, uh, people would say, you know, churches shouldn't talk about politics. But as Christians, we love all people, conservative, liberal, born, unborn. I mean, we are called to live to love all people, and that's what we want to do. And the issue is, is that politics and morality intersect. And so politics and biblical values intersect sometimes, and there's no better example than that of the abortion debate. And so, appreciate your prayers on that. We'll be fervently praying, and uh, that's why we sometimes talk about stuff like that because we believe it's important. And uh, and we're here as believers to defend the weakest and most vulnerable. You know, we're here to help the weak, help the vulnerable. And, uh, and that's exactly what we want to do. And so keep praying for that. And, and we know that decisions like this, it comes down and affects us in personal ways. We get that. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, ev- about every couple months, we do something called Dollar Club. And that's something where we say, hey, if we all chip in a little bit, uh, besides our regular giving that we didn't even talk about this morning, uh, just giving to support our church, of course, we would like for believers to do that. Uh, who are members of our church. If you're a guest, we don't want you to do that. But uh, besides doing that, every once in a while, we have a dollar club. And we just did that a couple months ago uh, for a couple in our church, uh, Carl and Brooke Walton. And we were helping them to put the money together to adopt because we're big on adoption. And because of the generosity of our church, they met all their financial goals, and they've been waiting to do that. But ever since then, they've actually been waiting for a child and and why? Because there's not enough children to go around. And it's not just that way here. It's that way all over America. And the reason there's not enough children to go around is because of this issue of abortion. And so when it comes to a, this issue, when, uh, it's, this is not the time for us as Christians to think, oh man, when this decision comes, great, that's what we've been praying for, we're good to go, you know, that's finally done. That's when it starts for us. Because God's called us to help women in crisis pregnancies. God's called us to help women heal from abortion in their past. God's called us to provide homes for the kids who will be born I mean, it's time for us to step up. And so that's why we support organizations like Heartbeat Hope Medical in our area, in Fremont and Tiffin. Um, this organization, probably maybe half or a majority of the people actually are from our church that work there. And just yesterday, we had the, one of their two main fundraising things was the, the 5K yesterday. How many guys were there? How, or, or anybody? How many of you were there at the 5K? Yeah, a bunch of you were. And uh, I saw a bunch of you there, and um, it was a windy day, so it was kind of tough coming back. Go, going one way was great. The wind's at your back. I'm taking strides. It's like the wind's carrying me another two feet. Every stride, I'm like, yeah! Coming back, every stride was like, you know, a half a step. It was not fun, but anyway, we made it. It was good stuff, and, and there's a reason that we do that because this is an organization that we want to support. We should be praying for them, praying for their protection in, in the kind of the way things are with you know, how things go in our country the last few years. We want to pray for their protection. But also, hey, they understand their work is being ramped up now. It's not going away. It's increasing. So we, we want to be a part of that. Uh, the stakes just got higher for us. Today... Uh, we had that fundraiser. It was kind of windy and not such great weather. But today, for us, for our church. By the way, I know some of you are probably thinking, "Yeah, I should have went to that. I didn't go." Anybody feel that way? Of course, you probably wouldn't even admit it. You know, and you feel a little guilty or whatever. Yeah, I probably should have gone to that. I didn't go. Well, we're gonna we're gonna make a way today for it to fix that. All right. So we're gonna do a dollar club this morning. And for those that part of Grace, you know what a dollar club is—that you can text. Uh, any dollar amount in the Word Club to 84321. As a matter of fact, it's gonna be on this video. You, you can give to them 100% of everything you give will go straight to Heartbeat Hope Medical. We wanna make up what they may have lost and we wanna propel them into the future for ministries beyond. But here's what they're all about and you can give while you watch this and there'll be some prompts on the bottom.
1: Of Heartbeat Hope Medical. We are a pregnancy resource center with two locations in Fremont and Tiffin. I am also a member of Grace Community Church. Grace Community Church is a great supporter of Heartbeat, and I'd like to share what's been happening at our centers. Our client count is on pace to double from 2021. So many abortion-minded clients come in for pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, and factual information about different parenting styles. Our goal is to educate them and offer them support emotionally, spiritually, and physically. We want to meet them right where they are and pray that they make a life-affirming decision. We've also been busy handing out material items to those in need, and we only see that need growing this year. Diapers, wipes, clothing, and baby formula are all in high demand. Ultimately, through these gifts, we will be able to place these clients in a parenting class where they are able to earn these items. The guidance, education, and support from attending this class and our Father Factor program for our dads are stepping stones to becoming great parents. We are spending time in our community schools and universities. Our campus ministry on the grounds of Tiffany University, led by Grace member Melanie Boy, has been busy. Melanie helps a group of young ladies know that they are valued and women of God. Our absence educator, Dana Hudson, is also a member of GRACE and has been very busy in several schools teaching sexual risk avoidance. As a result, youth who participate in our program are three and a half times more likely to delay sexual activity and have fewer sexual partners throughout their lives than their peers who do not participate in this program. In addition, we have two other educators go into the Juvenile Justice Center in Fremont to speak on the same topics in our abstinence program. We know that abortion may be a traumatic experience in a person's life, and hiding their secret is an incredible burden. If you or somebody you know are struggling with a past abortion decision, we want to help. We rely solely on donations from community members, businesses, and churches. We have a fantastic board of directors, staff, and volunteers. When you pray, give material items and financial gifts, or volunteer alongside of our clients, they are astonished when they hear about our donors who value their life and the lives of their born and unborn children. We tell them about you and how you want them to know that they are loved and that there is hope found in Jesus.
0: Yeah, appreciate of course, Marissa goes to our church, and you saw those blue shirts. Those are people that go to Grace, either our campus or the Tiffin campus. And so we want to do that. Uh, let's, let's be involved. Put our money where our mouth is and uh, help Heartbeat Hope Medical. Uh, we're, we're in a series we started a couple weeks ago called Ever Wonder Why. And we're realizing that sometimes in the Christian faith, people have questions, non-believers and even believers, and, and some of those uh, kind of hit us in our soul, in our heart. And so every once in a while we do a series that answers questions. Usually we're doing that from a cognitive sort of a, a background, but this time we're really trying to uh, lean into the emotional part of it and trying to hit questions that maybe are a little more that way with us. And so the question that we're dealing with today is, why doesn't God answer my prayer? Why doesn't God Answer my prayer. That's what we're going to look at, and uh, and so we want want to get you ready to do that. But but before we even get there, I just want to point something out that probably, and we all get this question: Why doesn't God answer my prayer? That's probably happened to everybody here. But I just want to remind us that most of our prayers probably God has answered. You know, for me, God's answered ninety plus percent of my prayers. And so most of our prayers are answered in the way we want, and then, but some of them aren't, so that still begs the question. So it's a good question. God wants us to live by faith, but God doesn't want us to live by blind faith. So we, we're not afraid to ask questions. We dig in. We deal with it. And so we all have questions like this, and a lot of times God's answering our prayers all the time, we, we just don't really think about it. For example, a couple of weeks ago, after I preached two weeks ago, Pam and I, uh, we headed out to uh, go to the Gulf Shore, took our camper, uh, got to camp along the the shore, the Gulf Coast, and just had a great time down there. But before we left, as we are pulling out at the edge of the driveway, you know, Pam says, oh, we need to pray. And so our habit... Is like right as we're pulling onto the road, we stop and we pray for safe travels. And God, you know, give us safe travels down there and back. And and God did that. And God answers a lot of prayers like that that we routinely pray all the time. And a lot of our prayers are even more routine. You know, we pray uh, before meals. Uh, Tim and I, just this last week, a few days ago, we went to Arby's. And you know how it is at Arby's here in Fremont, you order and then you sort of stand back and you're waiting for them to prepare your order. And so I'm waiting, Tim had already got got his stuff, and so I'm standing there and there was somebody training somebody on the register and they're training on the register and then I'm just overhearing this because I'm, you know, already ordered. And I hear that this lady training this other person say, and this button here is for the meat mountain. And I walked up to the register and I said, excuse me, what did you say? And she said, well, the meat mountain. And I said, well, what is that? And she said, that is a sandwich that has all of our meats onto one sandwich. I have a picture of it. This is, it's, an, and so I'm, I'm looking at the menu. I'm like, this is not on the menu. What are you talking about? And she goes, "This, it's, a, it's one with all the meats that you can order at RV. So let me just tell you what's on this. Two chicken tenders, a ro- roast turkey, smoked ham, corned beef, corn, smoked brisket, angus steak roast beef and pepper bacon okay so all that is on that one sandwich of course i had already ordered when i'm finding this out not on the menu we can get that but here's here's what we typically do when we go out tim and i go out. and so when tim and i are eating we always pray when we eat and so we're praying and then we all pray stuff like this god thank you for this triple bacon cheese and burger you know thank you very much and help it to nourish her, or thank you for this meat mountain sandwich that I have before me, and help it to nourish my body or our bodies. And guess what? Somehow God does that. You know, that's what we pray all the time that God is answering. And a lot of times we don't even acknowledge that God has answered those prayers. So we get that. But hey, that's still the question. I'm not trying to dodge it here. We still have this question. Well, well, why then sometimes when I'm praying for something super important, something that's big time important, that God doesn't answer? Why doesn't God answer some of those prayers, some of even the biggest prayers? Well, that's what we're going to check out. We're going to dive into God's Word. So grab a Bible or your Bible app on your device and, and go there with me so So you can verify what I'm saying. So I'm not up here just telling you a bunch of stuff that you know I'm telling you from God's word. This is what God is teaching us. So let's check it out. Now, toward the end of Jesus's most famous sermon, which is called the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about prayer. And he talks about kind of the answering of prayer. And, and what I want to point out is Matthew chapter 7. He actually talks a few times about prayer. But, but Matthew chapter 7, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. We actually did a whole series just on this one chapter. And so here's what happens in Matthew 7, 7. And, and so here, here's what he says. Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, And it will be open to you. And then in the next verse, he sort of just caps it. He says, for everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. By the way, this is a great, the first verse, seven, great verse to memorize. Because you can remember it from an acronym. And and the word A-S-K is ask. Ask, then S, seek, K, knock. I mean, it's just right there. So easy verse to memorize. You, you should do that. And, but now, please understand, when Jesus is saying this, he's not teaching us, ask for anything and God will give it. That's actually a problem that some churches have that follow the pr- prosperity gospel or the word of faith teaching. And we're going to we'll get into that as we go, not those teachings, but what God's actually saying here. So, to break this down, I want to do that with three other questions. Three questions just frame this information on why doesn't God answer my prayers. First of all, so Jesus is promising answers. First, who's the promise to? Second, what's the promise? What's the promise of? And then third, based on those two answers, how do we react? So we're going to just go through those three questions. So first, who is the promise to? When Jesus says, ask, seek, knock, it's going to be given to you. Who's he saying this? Well, we know from the context on the Sermon on the Mount that he's talking about real followers who actually want to please their father. He's saying, hey, this is a promise to genuine followers of Jesus. Now I'm gonna take a break here and explain what a genuine follower of Jesus is. So this is separate, but this little part is more important than anything else I'm gonna say, because it's the good news, the gospel. It's the core of Christianity. What a real Christian is, a genuine believer, is somebody who has come to know that they have sinned, that they have done wrong to people in general, but ultimately they've sinned against God. And they've come to realize, because God is just and holy, God has to punish wrong. If he didn't punish wrong, there would be no justice. And so then, that's sort of bad news. Okay, because I've done wrong, God is holy and just, so he has to punish wrong, that means God has to punish me. And it gets worse than that. It's actually, when we sin, do wrong against other people, well then that's bad and we should be punished. But when we do wrong against a perfect holy God who created us and gave us life and has only done good to us and has never done anything bad to us, then an infinite creator, then our punishment is infinite. Separation from him. But then we also learn, so we know that's our condition, everybody's condition, all of us, But then we learn that God also loves us, and because he loves us, he sent his son. God exists eternally, one God, three persons, father, son, spirit, and the son leaves leaves heaven, comes to earth, humbles himself by clothing himself as a human being, is born like a man, born like a person, he grows up, never does anything wrong, the only perfect person to ever walk the planet. And then, when he's 33 years old, he makes the decision. He allows himself to be killed to pay for our sins. And this allows a loving and just God to be able to forgive us our sins and not violate his own justice. And so he does that, that we now, because Jesus died. He pays for our sins. He's the only one who had no sins to pay for. And then we can be forgiven. The only way that happens, the Bible's telling us, is when we place our trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. When we understand that we've sinned, God loves us, Jesus died for us, and now we're putting our trust in him. And by the way, when we put our trust in him, that means God forgives us of all of our sins, all the sins in the past, present, even future. Every sin, no matter how dark your sins are. For example, we, we were just talking about abortion. If you're here and you've ever had an abortion, God would say that's wrong. But God will also forgive you and cleanse you. Or if you're a man that's here who helped somebody get an abortion, same thing. So what? what's the point? I'm telling you, if you no matter what you've been involved in, when you place your trust in Christ and ask him for for forgiveness based on what he did on the cross, the scripture says that we are washed clean, that we stand before God, forgiven, cleansed of all of our sin. And not only that, he also tells us that all of our sin gets put onto Jesus and Christ's righteousness gets put onto us. The Bible tells us that in 2 Corinthians 5.21 where it says he made him, Jesus, God made Jesus, he made him who knew no sin to be sin, our sin on him, on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in Jesus. So when we're trusting in Jesus, our sins are forgiven and cleansed away from us, and God sees us as righteous in Christ, even though we're not perfect, even though we're not sinless as we live as a Christian. So, But this is not only a promise to people who are real Christians. So back to our question, who's this promise to? This is a promise to real Christians who are trying to do life according to his will. And uh, so we need to remember that. And For example, we pray, and a lot of times we tack on a phrase at the end that's very biblical, we say, in Jesus' name we pray, or in Jesus' name I pray. When we say that, that's not just a phrase to throw on to the end of our prayer. That actually is saying something, that we are praying in the authority of Jesus Christ. And it's not just praying in his authority. When we pray in his authority, we're also recognizing that we want to pray according to his will. Because he is in authority over us. So who's this promise to? True Christians who are praying according to his will. And so, um, and according to his will would mean, that kind of has more to do with our motives. Why are we praying for something? For example, James 4.3 says, you ask and do not receive. He's talking about unanswered prayer. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. What's James saying there? He's saying we should ask with pure motives, right motives. You know, And think about this as it plays out in our everyday life. No matter what we're praying for or what we want, and we might think it's a good thing for us, but we need to check our motives. For example... If we're praying for a promotion at work, hey, God, you know, I would like to have this promotion. This would be great. Well, if our motive, really deep down, the reason we want that promotion is, hey, you know, then I'll be the boss. Then things can be done my way. And then I can tell people what to do. And this one guy that's kind of irritating me, I could put him in his place. If that's our motive, that's bad motive. But on the other hand, if our motive is, well, God, you want me to take care of my family and this will help us financially. It's something we need. Or God, you know, I I want to bring out the best or I I just feel like I'll be more fulfilled at work that I've kind of, you know, tapped out here and this would be a place for me to grow. It'd be more fulfilling to do this job. Or if it's, hey, God, if I'm the boss, I can bring in a more Christ-likeness, more kindness, you know, into this corporation or into this, you know, business, well, then those are pure motives. And so we would expect that God would give that to us. Our requests from God should reflect his mission, not just our plan. What God's doing in the world, what God's doing with our life, what God's doing around us, not just kind of what we want. And I'll give you, some people say, well, I just want more money so we could have more stuff. Why Would God give you a boat, a promotion, so you can get a boat, so then you can spend all summer every weekend out on the lake and not be in church? You know, why would, that's not good for you. Why would God do that? God says, be in church. So, and then why are we talking about this today, by the way? We're talking about this today because it's Mother's Day. And if you have a Christian mother, probably nobody's prayed for you more than your mom. And who knows if her prayers have been answered. That's kind of what we're dealing with here. All right. So his promise, we answered the first question. Who's his promise to? Genuine Christians who want to follow him. So who? Followers of Jesus. That's who it's to. Second question, what's this a promise of? Well, as we look at this, what Jesus is promising in those verses is that he will, that we should ask, seek and knock, and that he will give us good gifts, that when we ask, God will give us good gifts. And Jesus is pointing out, and and we're going to get to this right now, Jesus is saying, God is even more willing to give us as his children good gifts, even more than we want to give our own children good gifts. That's the case he makes. Next verse is verse 9 in Matthew chapter 7. Or what man, this is Jesus talking, or what man is there among you when his son asks for a loaf, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he'll not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father who's in heaven give what's good to those who ask him? You see what he's saying there? The, by the way, the world keeps telling us you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good. You're, you're not really getting that. Scripture's telling us hey, we're all flawed, we're sin stained. At the core of our heart, we're not good. You know, but God loves us anyway, and we can be better by following him. But God answers requests, he's saying, like a good mother would answer a request, or or a dad that we would give to their child. And then he uses this thing of giving your kids food. Pam and I have seven grandkids, and none of them have hit first grade yet. They're all short people. They're all little. And here's what we've noticed when we're around our grandkids, somebody is always hungry, right, Pam? I am mean, somebody. You know, you could, Pam will put down a spread for these kids, and you know how it is. By the time you get everybody's plate or whatever, there's a lot of chaos going on sometimes, but you get everybody fed. About the time you get the last kid fed, what's happening? The first kid's going, I'm hungry. Well, you just ate. Yeah, but I'm hungry anyway. Why don't we have, you know? It goes on and on. That's the exact illustration that Jesus. Is using you So when our kids are hungry, you know, is that what we do? Hey, can I have that roll? Granddad, can I have that roll? No, here's a rock. Because I know you're not going to be eat. You know, that's going to be sitting there for a while. So gnaw on this. You know, we don't do that. Hey, I need a lunch to go to kindergarten. You know, can you make one for me? What, do we grab the old sponge sitting on the edge of the sink and put that into one of those sandwich bags and stick that in their lunchbox? There you go. No, we don't do that. Why? Cuz we want good things for our kids, right? Even more so God wants good things for us. And then even better than that is our father is wiser than we are. He's smarter than us. So he knows better than we do to give good things to our kids. He knows everything who wants to give good gifts to us. And we're thankful him for that, that he's wiser, smarter than we are. Actually, if you start really thinking about this, if we knew everything God knows, which we never will, but if we knew everything that God knows, we would answer our… And if we're a follower of Christ who wants to do what he wants us to do, if that's true of us, if we knew everything God knew we would answer our prayers exactly the way God's answering our prayers because God wants the best for us. We just can't always see it. It doesn't always make sense to us because sometimes, even though we're following Jesus, we ask for things that seem good to us and seem good for other people and we think, you know, this is the right thing, this is the good thing. But then it doesn't happen. God doesn't answer our prayer. Just, you know, last week or so, something that I've been praying about daily, I think Pam too, and, uh, you know, something that we thought was good in general, good according to God, good for these other people, good for this person, and we're praying daily, and then God says no. And, And so we're left with, well, what's going on there? How can that be? How can God say no when everything looks good? And so there are several reasons that can happen from Scripture that I want to map out. And there's a little danger here, and I'm going to go through a little, like a four-point list here, so don't lose me on this. You know, what are some of the reasons that God might say no when we're asking for something that we think is good? Number one, Sometimes God answers no, because even though we think it's good for us, it's not good for us. Um, it's actually not best. And we have a great example of that in Scripture. Perhaps, maybe, the greatest Christian who ever lived was Paul. And this exact thing happened to Paul. He's at, he is doing God's ministry. He wrote a whole bunch of the New Testament. And he's on missions journey, he's doing everything, and he asks for something that's going to help him do better and accomplish more and cover more ground. And God says no. That shows up for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 7. Here's what it says. This is Paul talking. And, and by the way, before this, Paul has talked about how God has revealed a bunch of stuff to him because he's writing these letters and starting these churches, God has hand-selected him, and he's seen things that nobody else has seen. And here's what he says, verse verse seven in chapter 12. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Now, we don't know what the thorn was, and I think, It's intentional that we don't, so we can all relate. Because we don't know, is this a person? Is this a habit? Is this a sin? You know, what is it we don't know? So we can all relate. Verse 8 continues Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. You get what's happening? He's asking, God, remove this. God, remove this. God, remove this. And God's answer is, my grace is sufficient. And here's how Paul reacts. He says, I will, he says, most gladly, here's his reaction, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Here's Paul gladly reacting, rejoicing, going, I know what God wants is best for me. And if if it's me needing to rely more on his grace, bring it. You know, sometimes, I've used this before, that we ask for prayer, and we're praying to a God who God knows everything, and we think we've got it all figured out and what's best, but we don't. It's like a Rubik's Cube, the old puzzle. You know, it's sort of like, you know, I'm looking at that top right blue button, and I'm saying, God, I need to make that button Red. That's what I'm praying for. Can you make that button red? And so, God, this will be so easy for you. This is a good thing. I'm praying for Just flip that one red. But what we don't understand are all the unintended consequences. Well, for example, if it was me trying to flip that button, you know, there would be all kinds of other things happening, maybe affecting people who aren't even born yet. God knows all that. We don't. And so we trust him that even though we think it's good, maybe God knows that it's not good. But that's not the only reason. It could be good. And so sometimes when, when we ask for something that we think is good and God says no, God's maybe not saying no. Maybe God's saying wait or not yet. And when that happens... Jesus is teaching us, he he throws out a story about a persistent widow. He's basically telling us, hey, it's okay to keep asking if you think it's a good thing. And, and And Scripture is filled with examples of this. You know, the Jewish people were enslaved for 400 years. And they kept asking for deliverance. And God kept saying, and that's a good thing, by the way. And God kept saying, wait, wait, wait. And then Moses, God called Moses. And then after they went into the land and, and they were in the land and they had all these prophets and kings and all this stuff and, and the prophets told them, Messiah's is coming, the greatest king. And they're, well, bring him, come on, Messiah, come. And God just kept saying, wait, 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 not yet until Christ was born that first Christmas. So this happens a lot. Even though we're praying for good things, God may be saying it's not quite ready. And by the way, this happens in our lives too. We can even see it as parents. If your child hasn't asked you for a cell phone yet, get ready. Because that's probably going to happen, right? They want a smartphone. Well, as parents... Hey, we need to be careful with that. Do not be in a hurry for that. Why? Because we know these can that they're good things. They can be used for a lot of good things. Mom, I need help. Hey, I need picked up. But they can also be used for terrible things. And so we as parents should say, well, let's wait until we know your character has developed to where we know you can handle this phone without it hurting you, Right? Because we know this can be bad. So we do this even with our kids. Some people are praying for a spouse. And we all would say, yeah, a spouse is a good thing. But sometimes God says, wait, because maybe we're not ready. Or maybe the other person isn't ready if we're all dialed in on. And by the way, if we're praying for a spouse and that is a specific person and that person isn't a believer, Well, that should be no then, because we're actually praying for something God told us not to do. So there's no's, and that means because it's not actually best, but there's also wait, not yet. And so we need to recognize that. Third, sometimes we we, we don't get what we ask for because of unconfessed sin in our life. Now, please hear what I'm saying on this. We're all sinners. So I'm not saying when you're sinless, God's going to answer your prayers. Not saying that. What I'm saying is, of course, positionally, our sins are removed and God sees us as with the righteousness of Christ. But we, can ha- we know in our earthly walk, we can have sin sticking to us. We cannot pray according to God's will when we have unconfessed sin, deep unrepentance in some area of our life. We can't say, God, I'm I'm praying with what you, I think, would want for me, when the whole time we have some deep issue in our life that we will not repent from, that we will not confess. Well, what's the solution to that? Because that can happen to any of us. Well, we admit our sin, and we confess it to God, and then we want to change it. We ask him to help us to change. That's the repentance part. Here's where we see that in the Bible. In Proverbs 1, the wisdom literature, first chapter, verse 28, it says, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. So it's a danger for all of us, but there's a fix. We repent, we confess. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Of you, as you've heard many, many times before. And I'll tack on one thing since it's Mother's Day here. One more thing. And this is for you husbands. No elbows. I said no elbows last time. A wife actually handed her husband a piece of paper and a pen at this juncture, all right? So here's what God says to us husbands. Husbands, sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers. Our prayers are hindered because we're not treating our wife right. And here's what Peter's, the one that tells us, 1 Peter 3, 7, here's what it says. Very confrontive. He says, you, husbands, In the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she's a woman. We're going to talk about that another time. We've covered that a few times. I'm not really dealing with that right now. And show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Wow. See, husbands, we are called to step up and to honor our wives. And if our wives are mothers, if we have children, we are called to step up and make sure that our kids are honoring their mother. That's our job. Men, our job is to make sure that our kids are honoring their mom. And by the way, if you do that, they'll probably honor you too. But that's our job, and we need to do that. And so, uh, actually, because we're preaching this, I was making this point. Mike Miller on our staff, he's four weeks away from getting married. And so I'm telling him this. I'm like, you know, you know. So here's what I told him. You better pray up now, because who knows what kind of husband you'll be. You know, you need (laughs) to pray up now while you're single and your prayers aren't handled, because we'll see what kind of a husband you're going to be. And so we had a lot of fun with that. And then last here. Sometimes... We didn't, get what, we didn't get what we wanted because we didn't ask. Sometimes we want, 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 we just forget to ask God. Maybe sometimes we do that because we know that's not really according to God's will. But 100% of prayers that aren't asked aren't answered, if you want to look at it that way. Actually, James 4.2 tells us, hey, you do not have because you do not ask. It's right there in Scripture. So that's the first two questions. Who's the promise to? His followers of Jesus. What's the promise of? That he'll give us good things that we ask for. And then last, how should we react? How should we react? As followers of Christ, we should ask God for what we think is good and according to his purposes, We are invited to ask. We're asked to ask. We're commanded to pray. We should ask God and expect that when it's a good thing that God will give it to us. But here's the deal. Um, If you're praying and you're not getting that thing that you're praying for, don't get down on God. God. Don't get discouraged. Don't get mad at God. Why? Because God promises to give you what's good for you. And it may be a no or it may be a wait, but we can rejoice as we come to the Father and we put our requests up to him and know that he will only give us what's good. So even if we mess it up, he's got us covered. There's no downside here. Keep praying. Keep asking. And while we're doing that, remember, God just doesn't want our list of prayers. God wants our hearts. You know, a lot of our prayers should just be talking to God, being with God, spending time with God, taking a walk with God, interacting with God. He wants our hearts and some of our prayer should be, hey, God, I think these are good things. And he invites us to ask. And we can do it with confidence that we can't even mess it up because if we do, we're covered because he's promised that he will only give us what's good. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Don't give up. Because if you're a follower, and if it's good, he'll give it to you. Let's stand for prayer. Father God in heaven, God, we we thank you for loving us. You love all people, and you call us to love all people. And God, once we've come to you by admitting our sin and and putting our trust in Jesus with a desire to follow you, once we do that and we're believers, Lord, that you invite us to come and ask for anything. And if it's good for us, you'll give it. God, we thank you for that promise that we don't deserve. We thank you for your love that we we don't deserve, but you lavish it on us. Grace, God, thanks. Help us to follow you. Help us to keep making you first in our hearts. In Christ's name.